Welcome, welcome to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. For your weekly review edition on Fridays, it is just a solo show this week. So to my audience who's new to the show, since my audience has increased, I want to let you guys know that this is how I used to do things before I had all these guests come in and do a weekly review with me, or pick two to four stories that I found interesting. Hopefully you do as well. And today is going to be a good show, regardless of the fact that it's just me and the microphone. One-way conversation, we're going to go over the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Jackson. We're also going to go to Donald Trump and the situation with the lawsuit. And of course, we also have to talk about the immigration situation. What's going on down at the border? That said, folks, stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break to get the show started. While I've been studying candidates' backgrounds and writings, I've made no decision except one. The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. It's long overdue in my view. I made that commitment during the campaign for president, and I will keep that commitment. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Uh-huh. No. Yeah. I can't. You can? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... You also said there's no reason to think that you are a pedophile. And then you went on to say, again, that's another reason why you weren't going to give him... You're only going to give him three months, because you would judge that he wasn't a pedophile. And then you said, and this is something I, I, I really need your help understanding, then you apologized to him. And I I just have to tell you, I can't quite figure this out. You said to him, this is a truly difficult situation. I appreciate that your family's in the audience. I feel so sorry for them and for you and for the anguish this has caused all of you. I feel terrible about the collateral consequences of this conviction. And then you go on to say, sex offenders are truly shunned in our society. Do you regret it? You haven't answered my question yet. Senator, Do you regret the sentence? Senator, I would have to look at the circumstances. What I'm telling you... You you know the circumstances. We discussed it for half an hour yesterday. There's a 55-page transcript, which I'm sure you've read. You've I lived it. Not, As you've not. emphasized to this committee over and over, you've lived it, right? You said that... You've been through all of this. You've looked at all of the images. You're the one who's had to endure all of it. You gave him a three-month sentence. I just wonder if you regret it or if you stand by it. I mean, do you stand by that sentence? Senator, in every case, I followed what Congress authorized me to do in looking to the best of my ability at all of the various factors that... Welcome back. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew, Weekend Review Edition. And before I get started, as usual, I have to ask you guys, how was your week this week? Was it good? Meh? Terrible? Busy? Unbusy? Bored? I know a lot of my audience members tend to be closer to my age, around that millennial generation Z age. I'm 26. 
just to give you an idea. So a lot of you guys are on my age. I see the graph. I see the demographics. And so maybe some of y'all are in college, perhaps, or in school. And you just got done with spring break or you're on spring break. Uh, Ryan came on my show earlier this week to talk about the Great Reset. And he recently just finished up spring break. And he's going for his doctorate right now. So uh, you could still be my age and uh, be pursuing school or higher education, still be in school. I think Ryan's actually maybe like one or two years older than me, though, to be fair. But with that said, though, uh, be sure to tune into that episode. Let me know through the social media platforms I mentioned earlier. As for me and my week, it was okay. Nothing spectacular occurred this week. I uh, went to school, went back to school. I had my spring break earlier this uh, month. And so it was my first week back. I didn't go to class on Monday. Didn't feel right in my stomach. So I said, go and take the day off and sleep. Did wonders for me. And then uh, I took an exam from a mental health to get proper diagnosis. I've never been properly, I guess I've never been formally diagnosed with anything to an extent, at least not to an extent of taking an actual exam like I did today. So that's really all that's new with me. And with that said, folks, enough about me. Let's get into the reason why you even tuned in. And again, I know this is new to you guys. For those who are new to the show, most of the time I have someone else with me talk to uh, talk about current events stories. But the thing is, that's actually been more recent trend that I've done where I've tried to get at least a guest, one guest a week for the weekly review edition to have a fruitful conversation. So this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones you've been a part of probably mainly because like I said, it's just me. It's a one way conversation and there's only so much things I could say to the microphone that uh, eventually I have to move on. So with that said, let's get started with the synopsis in DC with judge Jackson, uh, the Supreme court nominee, um, a little background about this nominee, about Brown Jackson. She was born in Washington, D.C., but grew up in Miami, Florida. She attended Harvard Law School, where she would become a lawyer. Now, by the way, this is per whitehouse.gov. So everything I'm reading right now, you can find the whitehouse.gov website. Again, when I give a synopsis, I do my best to give my nonpartisan uh, synopsis point of view of the situation before I gave you my real point. A perspective and thoughts about this whole situation but that's what they have uh in case anyone didn't know though all judges are lawyers so keep that in mind that's why that would be important in case you didn't know not to insult uh, y'all's intelligence so anyways she has worked up her way in the ranks from the supreme court clerk under justice Breyer until most recently uh where she ended up being the she was a u.s Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit in 2021 uh, before she got a nomination this year. She was confirmed with bipartisan support for that specific position, the Appeals Court of D.C. Circuit, uh, which there is no media coverage that I'm aware of. If you're interested in her application of the law, which uh, if, in case you didn't know, when it comes to justices and judges, the idea of progressive and conservative is a lot different than 
let's say, a political sense, a judicial sense. A conservative judge is more of an originalist. And so their idea of interpreting a constitution is understanding how the constitution was originally intended to be for. Like we see a law, for example, and then they make a decision on its constitutionality based on its original meaning. Versus a progressive judge, they're going to have this idea of a living constitution. And we'll get into that in just a second. But according to the website, again, this is per uh, uh, whitehouse.gov. This is her a way of applying the law because of her diverse and broad public service. Judge Jackson has a unique appreciation of how critical it is for the justice system uh, to be fair and impartial. With multiple law enforcement officials in her family, she also has a personal understanding of the stakes of the legal system. After serving in the U.S. Army and being deployed to Iraq and Egypt, Jackson's brother served as a police officer in Baltimore, and two of her uncles were police officers in Miami, which... In case you're scratching her head, in other words, there was nothing worth mentioning. Or maybe it was worth mentioning, but there was so worth it that it was worth suppressing. Because that didn't tell me or you probably anything about her approach. So this is what I could tell you. She's a progressive judge. She interprets the Constitution as a living document, which means that the Constitution is open for interpretation beyond the original intent of the Founding Fathers. That said, she has faced backlash over her sentencing, uh, her sentencing uh, pattern with convicted pedophiles from the GOP in the Senate this week, and her inability inability to define what a woman is and also when life begins. The reason for her pick, well, again, per WhiteHouse.gov version, and then I'll give you. The blatant real version, and now I kind of transition to transition into my thought on the matter. The real reason why she got picked for this position, but according to the website, President Biden sought a candidate with exceptional credentials, impeccable character, and unwavering dedication to the rule of law. He also sought a nominee, much like Justice Stephen Breyer, Breyer who is wise, pragmatic, and has a deep understanding of the Constitution as an enduring charter of liberty. And finally, the president sought an individual who is committed to equal justice under the law who understands the profound impact that the Supreme Court's decision can have on the lives of the American people. Per WhiteHouse.gov, that's why she was picked. Here's the real version. She was chosen because she was black, and a woman. Or maybe she doesn't know if she's a woman since she's not a biologist, just as she claimed to justify why she couldn't answer what a woman what what a woman was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But let's get deeper into my thoughts about this. First and foremost, the minority party will do everything they can, at least in American politics, and I'm sure it's everywhere else around the world, every sovereign nation that has this uh, similar system system is that the minority party will do everything they can to slam these nominees if they come from an opposition party for president. And unless Joe Manchin sides with the Republicans on this, 
and the Republicans are, to, are united in denying her path to the highest court, she's going to get her confirmation. It happened with Trump as well. This is not new. Now, many on the left are claiming racism as well, which, why? <laughs> what else is new too, right? Because of supposedly how the right defended Kavanaugh, a white man, that's why it's racist. People on the right were willing to defend Kavanaugh, a white man, but because they're attacking a black woman, it must be because of racism. That's it. Nothing to do with the fact that she has a track record of being soft on pedophiles or giving lesser sentences. Which, that's really what I want to start off with making that distinction of just debunking this accusation. Because the Kavanaugh situation was the result of allegations with no evidence to back up the accusations. Whereas this is going after her publicly available track record of how she handled cases in the past as a judge. So stop that shit. Nothing to do with race. Secondly, I made a TikTok about this, but how can you not save yourself at least from this question of what a woman is? Just answer what it is. You don't have to be you don't have to be a biologist. You made an embarrassment of yourself. Now, I have nothing against Brown. Let me be clear about that. I have nothing against her. But that was bad. I can't tell you what a woman is because I'm not a biologist. Again, again, I made a TikTok about this. It's like saying, I can't tell you brushing my teeth is good hygiene because I'm not a dentist. Or I can't tell you if it's raining because I'm not a meteorologist. What? I want to clarify again. I have nothing against her. In fact, I feel pity. She was literally, despite what the White House Gov wants to say now, she was literally chosen because of her race and gender. That was her only qualification. Even the whitehouse.gov website, if you think about it, when you look at what they said, they focused more about her family than what she did. Why? And you have to ask yourself, and it's okay to ask that question, why would they mainly focus about her family, not her? When I read through the website, whitehouse.gov, about this person, it was more about her family than it was about her. And I'm being serious. Why is that? I think it's because there's nothing spectacular about her resume. If anything, her resume, it causes an eyebrow to raise. Especially when it comes to her approach to pedophiles. I don't want to pile on any more than I already have. But come on. Is this really your idea of progress, liberals? Progressives? It's very ironic that Joe Biden is suddenly woke and on board with getting a black judge or more specifically a black woman judge on any court. Hell, any minority judge for that matter. After he spent a lot of his time in the Senate denying people as such. 
One of them was Judge Janice Rogers-Brown, 2003. All because she was a conservative. Or was appointed by a conservative. Once again, it's about checking off those boxes. In the case of Judge Jackson, she's liberal, black, and a woman. Oh, and he's the one in charge. They check off the boxes, so pass. You get the nomination. Not to say that doesn't happen on the right, by the way. And, that's, and it's not to say people on the right don't have their own boxes. No matter what you do for any job, there's going to be some form of discrimination that takes place. Let's keep that in mind. Like, I can't go to a ministerial position in church if I am an open porn star and I sleep with a bunch of people online or on TV. The church has every right to discriminate me based on my qualifications. In the case of the right in this situation, not discriminating her or going after her because of her race or gender. Not at all. Let's make that distinction as well. This is the side that has diversity of thoughts. We believe in diversity of thoughts, not looks or physical appearance. I could care less if you're in my group, if you're white, Asian, black, indigenous, Hispanic, Middle Eastern. I do not care if you're in my group. I'm interested to know what's in your mind, where your beliefs are. I'm interested in your merit for qualification for a job. That's what they're attacking Jackson on right now. And it is concerning that we have a Supreme Court nominee who seems to have a softer side towards convicted pedophiles and the victims of families. I'm keeping it 100 with you. It's my genuine belief. And I also have a hard time with someone not being able to distinguish when life can begins. And I understand that is a very controversial topic. And so I'm not going to harp too much on that. Which, for the most part, my audience understands I am completely against abortion. I'm for abolition, and I think Roe v. Wade ought to be overturned. But at least tell us something that says, this is what I believe in as far as this is when life begins. That said, it's not the job of the Senate to go after her personal beliefs or even her job. A judge's job is to interpret the Constitution and not let their personal beliefs get in the way, such as Amy Comet possibly being against abortion. It's in her job description to not let her beliefs 
get in the way of her interpretation of the Constitution. The same could be said for the Supreme Court nominee. So in that sense, I don't care. She's going to have her personal beliefs, and if she is pro-abortion, then so be it. I want to hear her beliefs about Roe v. Wade. I want to hear her judicial philosophy when it comes to that situation. Not so much about her beliefs about abortion, because like I said, you're supposed to at least separate the two. Now, it's not to say that I don't think that perhaps applying the 14th Amendment to the unborn children should be applied, but right now they're just going after overturning Roe v. Wade and leaving the states to decide for themselves again. Like I said, I'm not going to harp too much on that. With that said, should she get the confirmation? If it were left to me, if I was in the Senate, I'd vote no. I don't know how someone who can't even use common sense to define what a woman is be trusted with the highest court of the land. And how could anyone? Why would anyone? Why should anyone? You have to be a biologist to tell me what a woman is? Again, do you have to be a dentist to know brushing your teeth is good hygiene? Do you have to be a meteorologist to know it's raining outside? Or snowing? You serious? Common sense. And I was going to do a story about... Leah Thomas, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to hold off on that for now. Because I am getting fresher with that whole community at this point, but that's a different story. (laughs) But if you can't use common sense to define a woman, why the hell should anyone trust you in that position? It lets me know and validates that you were just picked that position For the mere fact of your race and gender, which is not fair to her. It's not fair to any minority person. Right? And I speak of someone as one. I don't want, I do not want to be interviewed for a job just because of a quota. And that's all this is. She is the token black woman in the Supreme Court. That's all the, that's all she is. Nothing else, nothing more to add. I pity her because of that. What message does that send for the rest of minority kids who want to seek law or may pursue this path? Are they going to be picked for a position because of their merits or because of a quota? Like we're dogs and here's your treat. Be happy now. That's just insulting. So, as someone who believes in meritocracy still, 
I would vote no. That's just me. Again, unless Republicans are united and deny her, and Joe Manchin sides with them to give them the majority to deny this confirmation, she's going to be in the Supreme Court. That's just the bottom line. And before people think, oh, well, that's what you get for ramming through with a simple majority with Trump's Supreme Court nominations. When you guys were in charge, the Republicans were in charge. Listen up here, honey. The Democrats started that a long time ago. Remember Harry Reid? Yeah, he's the one that actually started the process of simple majority to get confirmations for judges and any public official nomination from the White House. Harry Reid started that, and Mitch McConnell said, you're setting a dangerous precedent by doing this. That was his way of saying you'll regret it. And by the way, I don't like Mitch McConnell when I quote him, all right? Let's get that clear as well. But I say that to remember how this whole situation started. So don't look at this as, oh, this is justice for what happened during the Trump years with the Supreme Court nominees. At this point, we're just setting a new bad precedent. And honestly, I don't want someone to be filibustered because of their position, but I don't want someone confirmed because of their quota, because of their gender and their ethnicity solely. If I'm going to deny someone or confirm someone, please let it be based off their merit. Is that so hard to wrap your mind around? Anybody who's listening who may be disagreeing with me right now? Is that hard to wrap your mind around? Honestly. That's the difference between the right and the left. Why a right, someone on the right would deny someone versus someone on the left would deny someone. That's it. The idea of meritocracy doesn't exist with the left these days. At least, not at that level. Now, leave it at that. What do you guys think? What would you vote for? Do you think she'll get the nomin? Do you think she'll get the confirmation? Not nomination. Do you think she'll get the confirmation? Let me know through the social media platforms. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break. And I'll choose sponsor myself. Me, that's right. I have absolutely no money to be made off this. Just getting the word out. Now, if you've ever wondered where I get my Thinking Out Loud monologues from, well, I'm glad you asked because they're just my articles from a Substack newsletters. Just type in the URL at kenjin296.substack.com. RP, kenjin296.substack.com. Spell the word engine, put the letter K in front of the word engine, then you get kenjin, one word, 296.substack.com. Then you can follow me on Instagram, Getter, TikTok, and soon, Truth Social at Kenjin underscore Express. I repeat, Kenjin underscore Express. Then last but not least, you can follow me on Facebook. Type in Taboo Topic in the search bar. Look for the logo that says Honesty Equals Understanding. There's two episodes a week. I have a hot seat edition where I scrutinize an opinion or story, popular or unpopular. Do my research so to provoke thought. Remember... 
that also comes with an article on Substack, so don't forget about that, on Wednesdays. Then on Friday, we go over current events, where I pick two to four stories I found interesting, and hopefully you do as well. Possibly more if I have a guest, then there's a good conversation, so we can cover as many bases as possible, so you, the audience, have less holes to fill in understanding the truth. That's two episodes a week, guaranteed, which you can listen to this show on any platform from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and more. So stay up to date and tune in. Don't forget to leave a review either. If it's less than a five star, let me know so I can better serve you. Here on this show, we dare to think out loud and question the narrative. Free speech triumphs your safe space because in order for us to think, we have to risk being offensive. If we want to have true peace in our society, we have to be able to be honest with each other. If we can be honest with each other, then we'll have a true understanding that will lead to real peace. Amen? Alright, let's get back to the show. Immigration has always been essential to America. Let's end our exhausting war over immigration. For more than 30 years, politicians have talked about immigration reform, and we've done nothing about it. It's time to fix it. On day one of my presidency, I kept my commitment to send a comprehensive immigration bill to the United States Congress. If you believe we need to secure the border, pass it because it has a, a lot of money for high-tech border security. If you believe in a pathway to citizenship, pass it. It's over 11 million undocumented folks, the vast majority of here, overstaying visas. Welcome. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. I hope you're enjoying this solo episode with me where I'm just talking to the microphone. It's just a one-way conversation. This is how I used to do it back in the day, and to an extent, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's nice not having to edit extra stuff out, because here's the thing. Whenever I edit with someone else, not edit someone else, whenever I have a guest with someone else, and all those extra clips you hear, that takes about an extra hour or two to do because I also have to get clips for their stories before we get into the segment. And so in this case, it's only three stories tonight versus six or seven, which again, I will take that. That's a much uh, quicker night for me to be done with editing and have more time to myself afterwards. So I'm enjoying it. It's a nice break. Next week, I should have someone else again. Um, my editor, that's right, I have an editor. Uh, she should be coming on next week, hopefully. So be on the lookout for that. With that said, let's just go ahead and get, dive, yeah, get into this story. Talk about something I haven't really touched much on. The immigration crisis down at the southern border. Now, America's southern border. This story is from the New York Post. But this is about the Biden administration allowing border officers to make decisions what to do with border asylum claims. Now, Ivory Hecker did an extensive documentary, by the way, on YouTube. If you want a visual of what's happening down there, so go check that out. But anyway, here's the synopsis per New York Post. Uh, the Biden administration is allowing to is moving to allow federal asylum officers the ability to consider refugees app, refugee applicants at the southern border in an attempt to overhaul the process and free up immigration courts for other cases. The Departments of Homeland Security and Justice announced the new rule on Thursday 
claiming that it will improve and expedite processing of asylum claims made by non-citizens subject to expedite expedited removal. The rule authorizes asylum officers within U.S. citizenship and immigration services to consider the asylum applications of individuals subject to expedited removal who assert a fear of persecution or torture and pass the required credible fear screening. The announcement reads, Now, after reviewing all relevant information in asylum requests, the officers will be permitted to decide on the individual's request. Only individuals who are non not granted asylum will then be sent to an immigration judge for a removal proceeding, which would take place within 90 days. The rule establishes streamlined procedures for the new these removal proceedings designed to promote efficient resolution of the case. Previously, only immigration judges of the DOJ's Executive Office for Immigration Review had the authority to decide asylum claims due to backlog of 1.7 million cases. That's a lot. However, some of the processes for hearing and deciding asylum claims can take up up to several hours. The department said Thursday they are hoping to shrink that timeline to only several months, which several months government time probably means several years. Let's be frank. (laughs) Anyways, back to the synopsis. The current system for handling asylum claims at our borders has long needed repair. The Department of Health Secretary Alejandro Mukoyakis, through this rule, we are building a more functional and sensible asylum system to ensure that individuals who are eligible will receive protection more swiftly, while those who are not eligible will be rapidly removed. We will process claims for asylum and other humanitarian protection in a timely and efficient manner while ensuring due process. This new will only be applied to individuals placed on expedited removal proceedings and will not be applied to unaccompanied children. It is unclear how many migrants seeking asylum will be permitted to use the new system right away. It is expected to go into effect in May or June. Administration officials told reporters nothing that will be nothing that it will be a slow ramp up. This rule advances our efforts to ensure that asylum claims are professed or processed fairly, expeditiously, and consistent with due process. Attorney General Merrick Garland said it will help reduce the burden on our immigration courts, protect rights of those fleeing persecution and violence, and enable immigration judges to issue removal orders when appropriate. We look forward to receiving additional input from stakeholders and the public on this important rule. Well, you don't care about the public because if the public was taken into consideration, the wall will be built. And that's my first thing I have to say about this. <laughs> All right. Damn it. That's the first thing. That's such an insult. All right. Now, I've mentioned this in the State of the Union address crossover, so check that out as well with Ryan. Um, but as someone who had an immigrant mother, I do have sympathy for those who want to come to the United States. That's it. This doesn't do anything. They still have to go to court. But what will happen once they get released into the public before the court date? You genuinely believe they're going to come back to court. They're not. That's what frustrates me. It's an absolute insult to those who have gone through the legal process to come into the United States. 
I'm not talking about the illegal immigrants, or at least not all illegal immigrants. I'm not talking about all illegal immigrants because I do recognize there are those who went through the legal process, but the system is taking forever to renew the visa. But I wonder why. Because of shit like this. That's why. And it hurts them too. And listen, I get it. But the ones who don't have any regard for our laws from the get-go? Oh, well, they're desperate, Ken. But you know what? We also have desperate people here. Legal immigrants and the illegal immigrants who had their green card originally. They went through the process and they're waiting for their visas. They're also desperate. We have American citizens who are desperate. We have homeless vets who are desperate. That they need to be taken care of and should take priority. They're trying to move up the ladder as well. But our government has decided to treat those who are played by the rules like rag dolls. We're worthless, useless. That includes, again, those legal immigrants and the immigrant, illegal immigrants with expired visas. It is absolutely disrespectful. And here's the thing uh, people around the world are realizing. It doesn't matter what Biden does. No one's going to take him seriously. Nobody takes him seriously. We are a joke. People complained about Donald Trump being an embarrassment on an international stage. Nuh-uh. Everyone took him seriously. Everyone picked up the phone. We have people from Saudi Arabia not picking up the phone. People in Venezuela not picking up the phone. We have people in China literally telling our U.S. officials in camera, stating to them, you're not coming from a position of strength. We're not taking you seriously. They don't take this guy seriously. You know what? I think what happened in Afghanistan was really what gave everyone the green light to go ahead and basically paint this clown picture, put the makeup on for Joe Biden as this clown who doesn't know what he's doing, probably has no idea where he's at, to be honest, to the point where they're just not taking him seriously. And who would? I don't blame them. I don't blame our enemies for not taking him seriously. So if this administration, you know, they may say one thing on paper, so yeah, we're going to start, you know, being tougher on immigration, maybe, or you know, doing something like this. This is not going to deter people from coming to the border. Because from the get-go, you've encouraged them to just come and invade our border. And it is an invasion. We have record high arrests. Which, by the way, a lot of these children, they're coming across the border... They're being used as pawns by adults so they could get in. They're not even connected, related to these people. When will people wake up to this? Not to get, I don't want to get too derailed. All right, let's talk about the asylum as well. Because I was trained on this for my job. So I am a little bit more well-versed when it comes to this than your average citizen. Now, asylum 
is only for political persecution. That's what asylum is. In other words, let's put this in a hypothetical sense. If I felt the United States government was after me and I felt my life was in danger because of it, then I could go to Russia like Snowden did and seek asylum. When I was doing my job, we called it political asylum because that's what it was. It was just asylum is to avoid or seek refuge from political persecution. It's not for economic reasons. Which, that's what the majority of these people claim. The media, your politicians, you're not going to hear them talk about this. Most either don't know or they conflate the term asylum on purpose. So if you want to decrease the burden of the system, make that distinction, close the damn border, a.k.a. the wall, and force everyone who wants to come through to wait on the other side of the border. Remember the Remain in Mexico policy? As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, the court's already told Joe Biden, like, you cannot uh, take that out. You have to enforce that. And I think what, what, what might have happened was I think the Biden administration appealed once again, so they pushed it off even more, which there should be some kind of checks and balancing on that. You can't just, as soon as the Supreme Court rules on something, like, that should be it. The only other way they could overcome a decision, and I've talked about this with my friends and family, make a constitutional amendment where two-thirds of the United States decide to overturn that Supreme Court decision, then that's how they can do it. But not let the President of the United States just continue to go back and forth with the Supreme Court in the courts just to delay something that is inevitable. That makes no sense to me. Again, that's it. I'm not entirely sure if that's what happened. But um, that's the whole point of Remain in Mexico policy because essentially what happens is, like I said, and it kind of gets into the whole catch and release program, which basically has been reinstalled since Biden came back in office, which ironically enough, that was something he did as a vice president under the Obama administration, the catch and release program where you literally catch the illegal immigrants coming across the border and you release them back to the United States public and you give them a court date to determine whether or not uh, they can stay. In this case, though, if they're giving these officers the ability to do that, they're going to release them to the public for a court date to basically tell them when they have to go back across the border because the decision at that point has already been made for them that they're not staying. So they're being released for a court date to pretty much decide how they're going to get sent back, which do you honestly think they're going to knowingly, they're going to go to that court date knowing that they're going to be sent back. 
if they're already on U.S. soil, they would have to be an idiot, as Trump said once, or paraphrasing Trump anyway, to go to court for that situation. You see how dumb these bureaucrats are? And maybe they're not as dumb. They're just very calculated, and they know what they're doing. They're doing this on purpose for this new one-world government from the Great Reset that I talked about this last Wednesday with Ryan. Check that out. It's not going to work. Don't release them into the damn public, you jackasses. Gosh. Again, this is not something I really talked a whole lot about. It's not because I don't have an opinion about this. This subject is such a complicated manner that this is the kind of subject I typically reserve or would want to reserve for a hot seat edition. And maybe I will do one. Let me know through the social media platforms if you want me to do one. If you want me to do a hot seat for the U.S. immigration system. System. What do you guys think about this idea? Now, to this, to their credit, I'll say this. I think a police officer, not police officer, but a border officer, they should be able to decide at that moment whether or not it is a valid asylum. They're there on the job. Let them decide. I think it gets cuts through some red tape. So to an extent, I agree. But as far as them waiting on U.S. soil, releasing them into the public, that's a dumb idea. That's still not going to do anything. Again, government time, 90 days really, or two months is really two years. So good luck. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned. And now to take a short break from the show to keep my promise and bring in awareness to the situation in Afghanistan where we have about 9,000 American citizens who were left behind as a result of the disastrous withdrawal efforts by the Biden administration last year. The elite globalist leaders, the media, and big tech may have forgotten about them and would rather focus on other manners, but the reality is we have Americans who are in harm's way because nobody wants to hold our leaders accountable. It's just too inconvenient for them. So this is a special shout out to the families and friends who have someone they know and love stuck in that country, and also to the very ones who are stuck there. You are not forgotten, and I'll keep mentioning you until there is a report, there is a concentrated effort to bring you home, and every single one of you comes back to American soil. Please, if you fall into one of these categories, either you're the family friend that knows someone that's there, and you want to, want to let me know how we can better help you out, please reach out, or if you're that person, it just so happens to be stuck there and you happen to be listening to this episode, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me through my personal 
account on Instagram at Kenjin296. I repeat, Kenjin296. Spell the word engine. Put the letter K in front of the word engine. Then you get Kenjin, one word, 296. Please, you are not forgotten. Uh, to my audience out there, don't forget to pray. Let's pray for their safety and their return home. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. And hopefully you have enjoyed this episode. This is our last segment, our last story for tonight. Like I promised, or like I mentioned, it's going to be a much shorter episode because it's just me tonight. So I hope you've enjoyed it. And with that said, for this last story, we got to talk about my man, Trump. The great Donald Trump decided to sue Clinton and the DNC for the Russian hoax and spying for $24 million in a 108-page complaint. That's right. What happened, you may ask? Well, if you want more details about what happened, there's this whole conspiracy that occurred. You can check that out. I went over it with my friend Devin not too long ago on another Week in Review. So tune into that episode, episode 51, for more details, specifically what happened. But this is what the lawsuit contains, per New York Post. In the run-up of the... Actually, hold up. Let me go ahead and do this in Trump's accent real quick. <clears throat> Let me know how you like my Trump accent. Um, in the run of the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton and her cohorts orchestrated an unthinkable plot, one that shocks the conscious and is an effort to this nation's democracy. The 45th president also alleges that the scheme concluded by Clinton and the Democratic presidential nominee and other falsified evidence deceived law enforcement and exploited access to highly sensitive data sources and was so outrageous, subversive, and in incendiary that even the events of Watergate pale in comparison. Using the guise of opposition research and data analysis, sorry, I can't speak English all of a sudden, an apparent nod to the highly controversial Christopher Steer dossier, Clinton and the Democrats sought to sway sway the public trust. According to the filing, 
They work together with a single self-serving purpose to vilify Donald J. Trump. Indeed, the fair-reaching or far-reaching conspiracy was designed to cripple Trump's bid for presidency by fabricating a scandal that would result and be used to trigger an unfounded federal investigation and ignite a media frenzy, claims the suit. Filed nearly six years later after the election when he defeated Clinton. The scheme was conceived, coordinated, and carried out by top-level officials of the Clinton campaign and the DNC, and including the candidate herself who attempted to shield her involvement behind wall of third parties, the suit says. In a footnote, the legal papers identified the Justice Department of the Office of the Inspector General, the four FISA applications, and Crossfire Hurricane, the codename given to the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into possible links between Russian officials and the Trump campaign. Along with Clinton and the DNC, the lawsuit names as defendants former DNC Chairman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Clinton campaign chief John Podesta, the law firm Perkins Coy, the research firm Fusion GPS, the former FBI officials Andrew McCabe, Peter Schwartzick, and Lisa Page, and Christopher Steele, the ex-FBI or the ex-British intelligence agent who authored the dossier. Trump has long accused Democrats and the Clinton campaign of conspiring to link to linking him to alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election. The subject of unsuccessful impeachment proceedings against Trump were, uh, also occurred as a result of these investigations. That is the general synopsis. There's more to the story, but you get the idea. Like I said, if you want more information about the actual conspiracy that occurred against Trump, go to episode 51. It's the last story for the Weekend Review. If you don't care about anything else, check that episode out. We get the picture at least, all right? The great Donald Trump. This is incredible. Believe me. Lock them up. <laughs> That's my initial reaction. No, in seriousness, what happened to 45 was disturbing. Beyond the political spectrum, this should outrage everybody. Literally the definition of undermining a democracy or republic. It's an embarrassment. An indictment of the FBI at that level too. They don't care about you, the people. They care about themselves and their donors. And their status. To put their political and self-interest over the American people. Oh my gosh, the audacity. But you know, I had this new perspective. I was watching the other day how the Galactic Republic and Star Wars fell on YouTube. It's like an hour-long video. I had nothing else going on in my life as usual. And so that's what I ended up watching that night. And I was talking about how the Republic fell in that movie. And since, there was a statement that has stuck in my head. Stuck out in my head. A corrupt society will lead to a corrupt government. There's people who will listen to the conspiracy what of what happened in Trump with Trump in DC before and after the election of 2016 and are shocked 
But we have to ask ourselves, how do we get to this point? Granted, if you're a Christian, this is nothing new under the sun. Corruption has always existed. Sin is sin. Until the time Jesus comes back to visit us, to pick us up, go to heaven for a second coming, it's going to continue to be this way. And I couldn't agree more. However, we have to ask ourselves, how do we get to this point where once upon a time, this corruption would have not flown, but now we let it pass by? This is the kind of corruption we fought against to gain our independence. How much more time will God give this country to repent before it falls if it hasn't already. Does the United States exist by name? Does the Constitution just exist on a paper at this point? If people don't repent, then this lawsuit won't go far. But you know why? Because our courts are not above corruption either, which some may argue it already is corrupt. Don't get me wrong. I hope Trump wins this case. This is necessary. But we need to wake up. Especially if we claim to follow Christ. What can we do to fix the corruption within our own society? And we can because we are a self-governed system. System. I can't speak English tonight. I apologize. That said, it means whatever transpires at our level, the working class, whose lives don't revolve around politics, well, I guess technically what I'm doing is revolving around politics. We get the idea. But whatever transpires at that level will reflect at the positions with higher authority. If we weren't corrupt ourselves, this would be headlines 24-7 until people are held accountable regardless of political affiliation. This wouldn't even have gotten that far with the FBI. This gets into being careful who we give that power of authority to. The people who helped this coup against 45 is now running the country. Let me repeat that. The people who helped Create this coup against 45. They're the ones running the country right now. Many would argue they shouldn't even be there in there anyway with the compromised election results, but I digress. The people who helped this coup are the ones in power right now. This should scare the living hell out of you, even if you voted for Joe Biden. Joe Biden said the adults are back, but what that really meant was the crooks are back. And who knows if they'll use their influence to block this lawsuit from going any further. I don't know. I hope Trump wins this lawsuit. If there's anyone who can, I think Trump's got the best chance. But we need to be praying for our people Praying for the church in particular to repent. Praying for our country. 
praying for our leaders who are believers to repent. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you haven't figured it out yet, with this great reset, this is what they're trying to accomplish. And this is why they tried so hard to get Trump out. He literally stood in the way of the great reset. When you look at the names of the glo global reset, one of the few names that's not on there is Donald Trump. That's it. He stood in the way of the great recent agenda that they're now in full throttle. They've been given the green light by Klaus Schwab, the guy we talked about this week. My friends, this is our last stand. Because right now, they have their eyes on 2030, and they'll use and make up any crisis they can to justify gaining power and to make sure people like Donald Trump do not get in power and get in the way again. Because what ha that happened, that was a delay button. They had to press pause in what they wanted to accomplish. And until they could get them out, they couldn't restart that. But now that he's out of office, they're going to make sure that people like him do not gain power again. That's why the Democrats are trying so hard to pass this, air quote, voting rights bill that would pretty much legalize all the problems of election security that pretty much legitimizes cheating and make our country a banana, banana republic at that point. Like, that would destroy our electoral process altogether. That's how bad it is. Because they have that mindset in 2030 to turn this, let the Great Reset be accomplished and be done with one world government. And granted, some of what I'm saying is a little speculation. I don't have direct evidence this is ex that this is exactly what's going on behind. But with the circumstances, you can reasonably conclude this is what's going on. Circumstantial evidence that said we need to ensure that the people we let in power are outside of those influences so we can have that faith restored back into a system. A system that would give me confidence that Trump could win this case. Confidence in our electoral process. The people who claim to be on our side right now in D.C. are the ones who are part of the Great Reset and help Trump get out of office, including some Republicans such as Lindsey Graham, by the way, calling you out. Dan Crenshaw, calling you out. F you. I really hope you win, Trump, if you want by one millionth one million chance here this. I hope you win. I really do. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I hope you win. My prayers are with you. What do you guys think? Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break to close things out. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I know it was just me, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway and you hoped my, you enjoyed my rants. 
it's basically what it was since I didn't have anyone else to have dialogue with. Anyways, let me know what y'all thoughts are. And uh, hopefully, thanks again for uh, really taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. So until next time, God bless.